actors welcome to the first episode of acting out of 2024 joining me today is actress and host of the act bold podcast and alexander cedar did i say that did i say that right you said it perfectly nobody ever says it perfectly cedar like the tree (laughs) well thank you so much for being here happy new year thank you happy new year to you too did you have a good holiday we did i mean we were both passed out on the couch with a raging cold, but it was nice. Our neighbors put on an amazing firework. So that was great. So we just kind of got up and you know, looked out the window. It's like, happy new year, honey. <laughs> I can relate. My husband and I unfortunately caught COVID over the holidays. So we, we just recovered from that. So we were just no new year's plans for us. It was just on the couch. Yeah. Same as you. Happy new year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. You know, I think New Year's is kind of overrated anyway, so. It is, but I will say the best time, because I'm I'm pregnant currently, and the best time to be pregnant is the holidays. Congratulations. With all the abundance of food. And yeah. at this point, I cannot tell you if my belly is, is my daughter or if it's me at this point. I don't know. <laughs> You'll know when she comes. <laughs> How about a week later? It's like, wait a minute, is there another one in there or not? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So you have been an actor for quite some time, but you just I have. not yeah. too long ago came back from over a decade long hiatus. So how okay. did you kind of navigate coming back into the industry without any current materials for casting? That is such a good question. <clears throat> so I actually have a kind of long and involved answer to that. I mean, I, I've been acting since I was 18 years old. I was SAG after uh, equity eligible. When I moved to Europe, I moved to, I'm, I'm in Munich, Germany. I moved to Munich because I met this fantastic German man on the way down to Rome one day. And oh. that was kind of that. Yeah. And I ended up staying here and that was 28 years ago. So when I moved here, I immediately got pregnant and had my baby and started a family. And I also thought, well, I don't speak German. You know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't back then. I do now, but I, at the time I thought, well, I don't speak German and I certainly, my career is communicating. So how am I going to do this? Um, and so for a long time, I thought, well, you know, just kind of be happy with what you have. And I was lucky enough to get a lot of work doing voiceover because of all the big mm-hmm. companies based here. Siemens and BMW and Audi and Mann and Schott and Philips. And I mean, these are all like Braun and right. Huge German brands that are worldwide and they all have commercials and industrial films and, you know, all kinds of, you know, e-learnings, blah, 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 all these kind of things. So I got very involved with doing voice voiceover work for the first 16 years that I was here. And I did cartoons. I was um, and I was doing television series and feature films as cartoon characters. And that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I got into moderating and and what else? And commercials. So doing acting adjacent stuff, but not doing acting. Mm-hmm. And it was for me like I I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was great money. It was very flexible. My son kind of grew up in studios yeah. and you know, knew his way around a microphone very early and, and had that thing that I always envied because he was never self-conscious because he saw professionals doing it and yeah. make a mistake. You're just like, you know, and you just start <laughs> again. Right. 
And and so he he grew up seeing that people not being self-conscious around it. But that's a whole nother story. In any case, when he was about 16 years old, he didn't want to hang out with me anymore, a little weirdo. <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> but not for a while. And um and I we had had plans to go out to the movies that night. And I remember like first being really crushed and then thinking, well, you know. Let me just see if there's an acting workshop here in Munich in English. Yeah. So I Google acting workshop and there was happened to be this coach from LA, Kirk Baltz, actually is his name. He's an actor who had near his ear cut off in Reservoir Dogs. He's oh my really gosh. Good and he's also a really great coach. One second. And so there was one spot left in this workshop that was starting the following day. And it was a three-day workshop. And I went to the workshop and I left it three days later, like feeling in the best way, like a Mack truck hit, hit me. Yeah. And I, and I left it going, I feel like I've been trying to breathe underwater this whole time. And finally, like I know I wasn't in my element and now I'm in my element again. Mm-hmm. And there, that was kind of like this no turning back moment for me. So I, I, I immediately realized, okay, it had been 16 years. I'd been trained classically, you know, yeah. theater. And so it, it had been a very long time since I put any of that into use. And so I immediately started looking around for more workshops and, and there weren't any that it was a complete fluke. It was like the universe opening up and saying, here you go. Yeah. And so I started bringing coaches in from LA, from New York, from London, from Berlin. Once a month, I would bring in a really great coach and and then, yeah, I then I would arrange these workshops throughout the rest of the month for the people that had taken it with me, because I would also organize, right? So it was was not cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we would kind of like work out what we had, you know, work on what we had learned over that, you know, during that workshop. So I did that for about a year and a half. And then I came, I thought, okay, you know, I could kind of feel my training click back into place. I felt good again. I felt strong. I felt confident. And so I was like, okay, now it's time to start looking for work. And so immediately I had my year of saying yes. And I think yeah. every actor has to have that. Yes. This year, just, you know, yes to anything and everything that you don't feel like you would regret if your children saw it. <laughs> you know, yes. just, that's kind of the rule of thumb for me. And and I did that. I did student films. I did uh, whatever, low budget, no budget, all of it, you know. <clears throat> just trying to build up my experience in front of the camera and, and trying to get a reel together. But I mm-hmm. think that that can be a real trap, right? So after about three years of doing that, I got an agent, all of that. Um, I kind of realized there were still some major pieces missing for me. And that was the business side of it. Because when I had been young, when I was in my you know late teens, early 20s, yeah. If you're halfway decent looking, the world is your oyster. Yes. People just want to give you stuff. They just want to make it easy for you. And I knew I was 47 when I came back to acting. So I, there was no way that I was going to get the same kind of door opening 
that I had had before. And on the other hand, thank God, because that door opening comes with a lot of expectations and yes. a lot of pressure. So it was like, well, at least that's done. And, but now how am I going to do this? <laughs> so I, 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 I listen, I'm a huge proponent. I listen to a lot of business uh, podcasts. I read a lot of business books because frankly, acting is a business. When we mm -hmm. go to school, we learn all about being an actor, but we learn nothing about the business of being an actor. Yeah. And without that, you know, you can be the best actor in the world and nobody's going to know it. So it was around that time, about three, three and a half years into it, that I started hiring coaches mm -hmm. for branding, for marketing, networking, all of it. <clears throat> and, you know, really putting that into like what I had learned into, into position and everything. And also started really being very strategic and specific and intentional about who I was talking to and the kinds of questions that I was asking them. Yeah. So it was a lot of learning. And it was one of the reasons I started my podcast, Act Bold, was to be able to have a platform where I could not only learn it was, you know, not completely altruistic. Yes, I, I'm really thrilled to share the information with other actors. But it was also because, you know, I I want to know the things that I ask, right? Yeah. And and it was really the culmination of all of that that made me uh, develop a plan. And the plan was, I realized that, you know, I needed to have a, a plan and a strategy. And my, my strategy is based on five pillars. So I believe that there are five pillars to a thriving acting career. It's mindset, branding, marketing, networking, and community. Mm -hmm. But they won't do you any good unless you also have the ability to self-assess. Yeah. So where are, where are the weaknesses in each of those pillars? And on top of that, what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's, you have to have a plan and a strategy and then things that you can put into place. So I guess that's my very long winded answer to your question, which was actually, how did I get my showreel material together? So I did start with the, this year of yes. Yeah. And that was that. But what I realized also was, you know, we work in a visual business, like duh. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. So the material that I was getting wasn't wasn't matching what I felt my skill level was. And also it because it was student films and it was low budget films and some of the quality was really fantastic mm -hmm. visually, but then the writing would be bad. Yeah. or vice versa and or i was miscast or you know so there were there were there was quite a lot of things so the thing is we need to show the industry where we want to go and where we're capable of going mm -hmm. we need to show that with our showreel materials so i have we're all carrying around these amazing studios in our pocket right i mean yep there is no reason today why an actor should should allow themselves to have substandard material. 
So then I started shooting my own material. And that actually came about when I realized, you know, I kept getting typecast. You know, I guess I come across kind of bitchy if you just look at my pictures or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, that's something else that we have to come to terms with, right? Because I think of myself as a nice person. Yeah. But, uh, but I know I I definitely am often cast as like this power bitch. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, very author authoritarian authoritarian. In a, authoritarian. In a authority. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. High status, <laughs> in a in a position of authority. Um, and for a long time, also very cold. And that's yeah. something I'm definitely not. You know, I mean, if you talk to me for three seconds, you know I'm I'm a lean in, not a lean back type of a person. Yeah. And so when I realized that I w was getting typecast, especially here in Germany, not so much in America, interestingly, but here in Germany um, with these really icy women, I, I strategically went about changing my showreel and my brand to reflect more three-dimensional characters because I mm -hmm. felt like these icy characters, it's one dimension, right? You're just the bitch. You're the villain. Yeah. You're the bad boss. You're the, you're the ruthless killer, the ruthless bitter, you know, businesswoman. But there's not a whole lot of dimension to that. Yeah. So I, I literally went about changing my, my brand. And I may have gone a little bit overboard because I ended up as the mom in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Quite a lot. But um, but that's a very long-winded answer to your very simple question. I like it. I like that. You have you have quite the story. Um, so because you were kind of always typecast as the bitchy characters, what did you kind of do to help you get into those kinds of characters because they're so opposite of you? Yeah. Well. I think, you know, I think what they were seeing in me was I am strong, mm -hmm. right? I have, a, I have a strength about me. So I have to admit it was, it was hard because there were uh, many times where I wanted to show empathy, also to show more dimension to the character. Yeah. You know, I at least wanted to show a conflict, but these these were often characters that were like co-star or small recurring roles. So mm -hmm. they weren't looking for a lot of dimension to them. They weren't looking for a lot of depth. And that was interesting. Yeah, I just really had to listen to the direction, honestly, because yeah. I tried to bring dimension into every role that I had that was yeah. I felt was one-dimensional. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, even a serial killer or a pedophile is a person. Yeah. And no, I'm not advocating for them. So please don't, don't, don't get down on Kirsten or me about that. <laughs> but but to, in order to make them interesting as an actor, we have to find their humanity. Yes. So... I think, you know, that that was a struggle for me is when I wasn't allowed to show the humanity. So I, I don't know if that answers your question. Because, oh, it definitely does. Yeah. Okay. Did you find that the industry had changed at all after you came back after such a long period of time? By leaps and bounds. 
I mean, so much. I'm 57 now. So the industry, when, I mean, I went to acting school, which was theater school. Mm -hmm. I went to film school and we used to cut film, like film strips, you know, film, like on a yep. reel. Do you yeah. know what that is? Yes, I do. <laughs> and we would cut it, you know, with a razor blade and tape it together with scotch tapes. That's how wow. you edited a film back then. And it was always the, wow. the take you needed was like crumbled up somewhere under your foot, yep. you know? So, and it was expensive. Film was expensive and you had to have it developed. Yeah. It wasn't instantaneous. And if the developer screwed up, well, tough luck, babe, you know, try again. Yeah. And so there were, there was a lot, a lot of differences. And when I came back to the industry, that was 10 years ago. So yeah, we had, we had cell phones. They weren't like what they are today. Yeah. Um, but film was now digital mm -hmm. and the kind of dilemmas that people were having were more like how to get video to look more three-dimensional Yeah, as opposed to, you know, how to get video to look more film, filmatic, cinematic. So it was those kinds of, of things and, um, but everything has become so accessible, you know, and it's become only more so we, it's so cheap, literally, as we were just saying before, you can use your iPhone to, yep. to film and there are fantastic tiny little microphones that don't cost an arm and a leg that you can mm -hmm. also use for great sound and lights. I mean, it's all so accessible. Yeah. Whereas it wasn't when, you know, when I was in film school 30 years ago, it just, none of that was, it was expensive. So, so you're, you're originally from the U S but now you live in Germany. Do you mostly work within Germany or do you travel back and forth to the States as well as in Germany for work? I, I do both. I try and audition at least, um, as often as I can for the States. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes there's more than other times that last year was weird because of all the strikes. So that yeah. everything sort of ground to a halt. Um, but I'm expecting this year to be better. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think since 2017 was the first time I did a film in the States. And since then I've now done six films in the States. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. Do you find that there's steadier work in the U.S. or Germany, or they're kind of both evened out? Uh, such a good question. I mean, it's so hard to say because I, I miss out on so much by not being in the States, mm -hmm. right? So there are so many. I mean, it it takes me a while to get there, right? I can't just be there in two hours. Yeah. Right. So it takes me a good day and a half to, to get somewhere. And then I have to recover from that. So it's, it's, I have to plan it. I have to know. Yeah. So, but I think if I, like, if I were to, you know, my son lives in LA and so I would love to spend six months of the year in LA, something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, we have a dog though, so I don't know. I have to figure <laughs> that out. I certainly would never leave her and I don't want to put her through the the traveling either. Yeah. So it's it's all stuff kind of to be figured out. I I have an agent here in Germany 
I'm now I have a new agent also in London and I'm considering getting some agents for country specific. So Spain, France, maybe Italy, because a lot of the productions that are going on in these countries, um, even when they're co-productions, they're not necessarily looking on spotlight, which is the UK casting portal, like actors access. Okay. Yes. Yep. So they, they, you know, they want to use Italian filmmakers if they're shooting in Italy, they want to, you know, they, so they want everything there. And a lot of times the casting directors, they just, you know, they're, they're very, it is the EU, but they're still very used to being sort of insular each country. Mm -hmm. Also, like if you're cast out of the UK, the, your daily rates are much better. So mm -hmm. sometimes they'll try and save money. It just depends, really. But I, that's why I'm really kind of considering like branching out into some other countries as well and just seeing, although it's it's a little bit difficult because the better agencies want exclusivity. And mm -hmm. yet I would definitely never trade an agent in Spain for my agent in London. Yeah. Because my agent in London just has access to so much better stuff. Yeah. So, Yeah. Do you find that traveling gets tricky because I know some places you need like the the permits to be able to go out there and work does cross border is that difficult for you? Uh, you know, Germany is is super strict about having two passports or at least it was until the newest regime came in. Mm -hmm. And now apparently that's no problem. So I've applied for German citizenship. I've been here for 28 years, almost 29 years. Wow. And I've just, I'm just last year applied for German citizenship because they had always insisted that I give up my American citizenship. I could have had it years ago, the German, yeah. but I would have had to give up my American citizenship. And I was like, no, never. I mean, you can take the girl out of America, but you can't take the America out of the girl, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, I just, I just, there was just no way. I, I would not feel comfortable doing that. So in any case, I think mostly no. I've worked in Finland. I've worked in Serbia. I've worked in Austria and Switzerland and Spain. I've, I've kind of, uh, also, you know, I've worked all over Europe. Yeah. But I've also lost a couple of jobs twice over the years in Italy because I didn't have the EU passport. Okay. And I didn't want to yeah. deal with it. So I think that that will make a difference. I hope, yeah. you know, for opening things up and just making it easier. You know, the more we can do as far as as a, as actors, right? The yeah. easier we make a casting director's decision by not confusing them on our brand, for example. The easier we make it for production by saying, "Sure, I can work anywhere in the EU." You know. Yeah. <laughs> Right. The just removing hurdles and obstacles. It's kind of mm -hmm. half of our job. Absolutely. How do you find that the EU market kind of differs from the US market? Well, the US has several markets, right? Yeah. So there's LA, there's New York, there's Atlanta, there's also the Southwest, there's also Florida. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are kind of thriving little pockets throughout the US, just as I'm sure there are in Canada as well. I mean, Toronto is the main deal, but yeah. Vancouver has a ton of stuff going on. And 
I was just listening to a podcast the other day. I don't remember whose it was, but they were talking about Toronto versus like, do you need to live in Toronto if you're a, a Canadian actor? Mm-hmm. And the casting director that they were interviewing said something really interesting. And I thought on the one hand, she's right. She said, live where you want to live. Because as an actor, and this is correct, as an actor, you have a lot of downtime. So mm-hmm. be where you want to be. Don't be in a place that makes you miserable. And yeah. just resign yourself to travel when you need to travel. But on the other hand, I know like the film hub here in Germany is Berlin. And I'm in mm-hmm. Munich because my husband loves Munich. Yeah. So if it were for me, if I didn't have my husband, I would have been in Berlin 10 years ago. Yeah. Because you miss out on the networking. You miss mm-hmm. out on getting, like, just being seen at film premieres. And yeah, you, know, you, you miss out on all those little opportunities to connect with people on a real level on, on and on a regular basis. Absolutely. So you have, you have some, I, I looked you out on IMDb Pro. You have, you know, you have extensive film and TV credits. Do you prefer working in film or TV or do both kind of have their pros for you? Um, I mean, TV has gotten so good, hasn't it? I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had asked me this 30 years ago, I would have said film for sure. 20 years ago, film for sure. But today, I mean, to be able to be like in a show like, my God, there are just so many that are so good, right? Just um, The Morning Show, White Lotus, mm-hmm. uh, The Fall, um, Sex Education. I mean, there are just so many great shows. Yeah. And so many different genres. And I think in some ways, you know, we've never, as actors, never had it so good. And on the other hand, there's never been so much competition either mm-hmm. because not everybody wants to be an actor. Whereas before... Not everybody wanted to be an actor. What would you say has been your favorite or most memorable project that you've worked on to date? Hmm. Um, I think Ojai. It hasn't come out yet. It's still in post-production. We shot it two years ago. I played a mom who was kind of like this maverick woman. Um, she was a pilot. She was an artist. She was unconventional. She mm-hmm. was, she was, you know, a fierce mama, and I really identify with that. That's and and she had a son, mm-hmm. and you know that there were there were many parallels. That you know, obviously the the big difference was was she was dying of cancer. There were so many great things about that role because she had so much conflict going on. She was like yeah. learning, learning to, learning to let go of her life. Yeah, learning to let go of her son. Like you know, okay, I did my job, and there you go. Yeah, and 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 the actors that I worked with, you know, it was an independent film. And I, I think sometimes on these indie films, you know, we were together for weeks and it was just a great, 
it was a great role with a lot of camaraderie mm -hmm. and the director uh david uh tom, tom david austin thompson sorry um had written you know it was it was sort of it was it went off into sci-fi but the the character that i was playing was based on his mom oh. so who had died so there was there was a lot of that in it as well and that was it was like really nerve-wracking on the one side because i'm never going to be his mom i'm yeah. never going to live up to being his mom and because that's his mom right yeah and fiercely and it was about their relationship and and this kind of fierce love they had for each other and and it was on the cusp of him growing up you know becoming going from being a a young man into a man mm -hmm. right so there was there were a lot of really beautiful aspects to the film that I really really enjoyed yeah and it was it was like a heart project do you prefer playing the characters that you can kind of identify with more? Or do you like kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone and playing someone that's opposite yourself? I like both, but I don't like doing anything all the time. You know? Yeah. Like if I've played a role where I've really stepped out of my comfort zone, then the next time I think I want to like lean into the things that I, I really do don't have to work so hard to understand and empathize with. Mm -hmm. Or if I've done a drama, then the next time I want to work on something a little bit more lighthearted. I really yeah. enjoy that kind of heightened reality humor, like dramedy, like mm -hmm. White Lotus, for example. Yeah. It's sort of a just a just a heightened reality of of playing. And I really yeah. enjoy that. I have I have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff. Although I guess my face is pretty serious. So I, I get a lot. Of, yeah, I get I and I can cry very easily. So um, so I, I do get cast in a lot of dramatic things as well. But I, mm. I, I like it all. If I would say there's one thing I don't like, although to make it is fun. I've even done splatter, right? Yeah. But, and making a splatter film is fun. <laughs> I would never watch it. <laughs> making it is fun. So because, I mean, it's just crazy, especially I like the ones I haven't done that many. I've only done one. But the kind of splatter films that I imagine would be fun on set on a you know, fun set to work on are the ones that don't take themselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. Like a little cheek, like Shaun of the Dead or yeah. like that, right? That kind of a thing. What would you say has been your biggest challenge as an actor? Me. Overcoming my own limiting beliefs. I like that. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's hard not to get inside your own head sometimes. Yeah. And especially like when I was returning to acting, you know, my husband was telling me, you know, what are you doing? He, he's not from the film industry. Yeah. My friends here are not from the film industry. So nobody understood what it was that I did or why I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And nobody, everybody kind of thought I was, I'm sure they thought I was making a fool out of myself. Yeah. You know, and I, and I sometimes wondered, you know, what are you doing? What, why? Mm -hmm. But for me, it was something I wanted so badly. I just, I, I just got to this 
point where I just realized that, you know, as a, as a young woman, I think I often let fear stand in front of me. Yeah. That's, you know, fear of failure, fear of success, mm-hmm. all of it. Right. Yeah. And now as an adult, it's not that the fear has left me. I, it's still there. Right yeah. there in that corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right over there. But, you know, that's, you stay there. Right there, you stay. <laughs> it's okay. It can stay in the corner. But it's not to come and, I won't let it stand in front of me anymore. Yeah. So one of the things, I, I'm also a, a career coach for actors. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm, I'm always saying is, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because, I like that. Yeah. Every day that you stretch your comfort zone, it's like a balloon, right? A balloon mm-hmm. that will never break. And every day when you stretch it a little bit more, it's just a little bit bigger. And the yeah. next you can stretch it again. And what scared you yesterday, if you do it, isn't going to scare yeah. you today. And I think the mistake that so many actors make, and it just kind of breaks my heart, is they're always waiting you know, they're waiting to get an agent. They're waiting to get their showreel material yeah. together. They're waiting to do this. They're waiting. They don't have the money for that. And I think, look, where there is a will, there is a way. Yeah. If you want it, you are going to find it. So, and this is your career. If you are not willing to invest in your career for, new headshots when you need them for an editor for your reel to make it look amazing unless you can do it yourself right yeah all these different things you are basically saying to the industry i am not worth investing in Mm -hmm. and if you don't feel you're worth investing in why should they there are too many actors who do feel they're worth investing in absolutely so what would you say are your biggest strengths then? Uh, let's see. My biggest strengths. Well, I'm very confident about my acting ability, my talent. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, you know, that's a, a strength. Um, I'm very professional, you know. So like if you tell me that, you know, I need to learn 10 pages by tomorrow and be on set at 5 a.m. I'm going to learn those goddamn pages and be You're on like, set okay. Yeah. <laughs> I not, may not be happy about it, <laughs> but I'm going to figure it out, you know? And I am, so I think that, and I, I think I'm fun to work with. I hear I'm fun to work with. I try and be fun to work with. I, I really believe that filmmaking is a collaborative thing mm-hmm. that, I happen to be in front of the camera, but unless there was somebody behind the camera, so what, right? So, and, and everyone on the set, you know, is important, whether it's whatever, the second AD or the gaffer or the makeup, it's, it's all important. It all goes into that final thing. So I really love that it's a collaboration and I, I enjoy that. So I think that that's probably a strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions about actors? Uh, the biggest one I think is that people think we're good liars. 
Yes, that's a, I always say that too. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm a terrible liar, but acting has nothing to do with lying. It has everything to do with telling the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I can't lie for beans. I'll find myself, you know, staring up or or down. Like it's yeah. very obvious well, if laughing, I try and lie. Turning red, right? Yeah. Just thinking about it, probably turning red. Yeah. No, I. Uh. Uh-uh. Um. I'm lucky. I mean, I, that's not a skill, so I didn't include it. But I'm very lucky that I'm very transparent. Like you can see everything that goes across my face. Yeah. Like you know, it's. I think that was my dog leaning on the door. <laughs> um. So, so that's a gift, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it has nothing to do with me. You know, it's just, I, I was lucky to be able to have that. Absolutely. How do you find yourself staying motivated between jobs or auditions? Yeah, that goes back to the plan, right? The plan and the strategy, because I don't, I think if you're waiting and the waiting, right? I think if you're waiting for motivation every day, you may be waiting a very long time. I yeah. think you just get into the habit of doing it. And the very fact of doing it is going to yield results. And it's sort of, you know, it's getting getting that ball rolling. It takes 80% of your effort. Mm-hmm. But keeping that ball rolling is only 20% of your effort. Absolutely. So it's it's like an artist that you all you will often hear an artist say, right? or a writer, right? I write as well. If you're sitting there waiting for the inspiration and then you sit down to write, you may never write. You may never write. You just need to get into the habit of doing it, whether you feel like it or not. And then you begin to develop a belief in yourself that you are Mm -hmm. not going to let yourself down, that you're going to do what you need to do, whether you feel like it or not. And that will give you a a new kind of confidence as well. Definitely. I find the best way that I keep myself motivated is I, I hop into class with my acting coach just to always be doing something, always be learning. That helps me stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we live for. I, you know, you're hearing a lot of my theories, but so I believe that there are a lot of uh, hard, well, that there are hard actions and soft actions that mm-hmm. actors can do. Right. And the hard actions are the ones that are going to get you auditions which yeah. can lead to bookings. The soft actions are the ones that we need to do, but they make us feel good and they don't necessarily lead to bookings. Mm-hmm. So things like, I do workshop as, as well, don't get me wrong. I still am always training, but you're not going to get a job by going to a workshop. No. It makes you yeah. feel good. You're getting yeah. that itch scratched, Yeah, but you're not going to get a job from it. You have to do the other stuff. Mm-hmm. What is the best piece of acting advice that you've ever received? When the camera isn't on you. This is actually for the other actor. But when the camera isn't on you, try and say something that will elicit the emotional response that you want without saying necessarily the lines. Mm-hmm. So that you, they're surprised because there's, you know, there's, it's a gift to that other actor to be able to mm-hmm. give them something that is eliciting like true surprise and, and, and emotion. Yeah. 
So I like that. Yeah. What advice would you give to anyone who's just starting out in acting or someone who's aspiring to be an actor? Um, get training. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's the advice I always give, actually. Get training. If you if you're really just starting out, get training. And when you're in class, the great thing about it is, you know, community is the fifth pillar of what I teach. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for it because other actors are extremely valuable, you know, as a resource to us as actors Mm -hmm. for information, for outside perspective, for support, for all sorts of things. So when you're a new actor and you find a workshop, you can always ask, there will be someone else in the group who knows a little bit more than you do. Yeah. It's, it's like I always used to say to my son when he he didn't know what he wanted to do or, you know, where he wanted to go, whatever it was. Just say, babe, just get on the road. That's all you need to do. Just get on the road. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you're on that road, you're going to meet other people on the road who are going to yeah. help you figure out where to get to next. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I started my podcast, because I've talked to people of all calibers who are more experienced, such as yourself, um, who are kind of like midway through their careers or just early out. I find that I learned something new from absolutely everybody that I talk to. So I think it's I think it's great. Yeah. Well, you know, you're probably a lot like me. You're curious, right? Yes. Curious about yeah. people, curious about their stories. This is why we became actors. We're curious. Yeah. We're interested in people. And... Yeah, I think that is also something I think, you know, a friend of mine said it to my son once when he was not sure what to do with his life. And she said, you know, because everybody was saying, well, follow your passion, follow your passion. Well, and then the other half was saying, well, do something that's going to earn money, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like, it's both, right? And my girlfriend said, forget all that. Follow your curiosity. Yeah. And I just thought it it was such good advice. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me today. This has been absolutely insightful. I feel like I've learned a lot from you. Great. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. To be on your show. (laughs) Everyone be sure to check out Anne's lovely podcast, Act Bold. And where can we find your lovely podcast and your social media handles? Yeah, thank you. I would love that. Um, Act Bold is on YouTube. It's also Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual places. Mm-hmm. And I am on Instagram under act under, what do you call that? Underline, not underscore. Underscore. Thank yeah. you. Act <laughs> underscore bold. Or my name, Anne Alexander Cedar. Sounds like the tree, but it's spelled S-I-E-D-E-R. And yeah, just reach out. I'd be happy to respond to anybody who reaches out. Well, perfect. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. I appreciate it. Of course.